On today's podcast, we run through the massive gap between the AFC and NFC when it comes to quarterback talent and how that plays into Carolina's trade for the Bears' number one overall pick. We'll also look at it from the Bears' perspective. We've got Chris Ryan on the end of succession on a little Sean Penn. Not sure how that worked its way in there, but Embiid, not the MVP stuff too much. A couple minutes on that, but what he's allowing himself to think is possible for the 76ers team that is heading in the right direction. His boss is heading in the wrong direction. And a life advice where it gets pretty sexy. It's Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at lq.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. The AFC has it all over the NFC when it comes to quarterback depth. Uh, we know it's bad, but going through it this morning, I'm going to share that with you. It's not close. And the reason I bring it up is because uh, it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is on the move to the Jets. At least that's what we think. Uh, this drama plays out every single day. Uh, he obviously enjoys it all. But Trey Wingo had a tweet saying, like, look, this thing that the Jets has done. So let's look and see what that means. Uh, we'll run through the AFC. We'll run through all the teams. I have a couple of sides about a couple different quarterbacks here. Uh, Buffalo's got Josh Allen, Miami to a uh, New England Mac kind of arrow down at this point. Rodgers to the Jets, let's say that. Burrow, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Lamar question, Huntley on the roster. Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, Cleveland, Deshaun Watson. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Matt Ryan decision for the Colts this week. They said it'd be this week. We'll see what happens. And then Davis Mills in Houston. You imagine that would probably change with the draft here. Uh, Kansas City and the Chargers, Mahomes, Herbert. Those guys are pretty good. Vegas going all Pat's backups with Jimmy G signing and now Stidham and then R. Wilson with the Denver Broncos. All right. The NFC has Hertz, who I'm going to look at the Sando top quarterbacks, the tier stuff that he did from last summer, which is just a lot of fun. We love having him on. Ends up being a ton of debate, some good, some not so great. Um, but between Hertz, who would likely flirt with being in the top 10, he might be the only NFC quarterback that you project to be a top 10 guy. Like when that thing comes out in the summer, and again, there's still some TBDs here with some of these teams, but that's kind of crazy to think like, wait, is Hertz going to be the only guy in the top 10 for Sandoz thing? Or if just us sitting around talking about it, I guess Dak could potentially flirt with it before you push back on that. Like, you know, it actually is getting a little light. Like I felt for a couple of years, it maybe the numbers skewed at all, where it's like, man, the quarterback depth in this league is actually really good. We might be hitting a stretch right now, especially when you look at the depth charts. You're like, wow, is half the league kind of screwed? So uh, to keep it going, you got Daniel Jones, one year with the Giants, huge improvement. He got his contract. Um, we'll see. I'm not convinced on any of it yet, but at least it feels a lot more stable with the staff and the offense that they're running. So that's a win. 
for the Giants right now. I just don't know what it means. I got to see it for like two years. Sam Howell on the roster for Washington. All right, Minnesota's got Cousins, Detroit, Goff. It'd be Jordan Love for Green Bay. If Rodgers moves on, then Fields, Chicago. We're going to get to that Chicago trade moving out of the number one pick here in a few minutes as well. Tampa Bay, Trask. Kyle Trask is the only quarterback under contract. Carolina has P.J. Walker, who's a restricted free agent, Matt Corral. New Orleans signed Carr. Atlanta's got Ritter, who had only four starts at the end of the year. They added Heineke. So, you know, when you look at that division, Trask, P.J., maybe, or Carolina takes a guy number one, which would obviously make a lot of sense for them moving up. And then Atlanta, you know, I don't know what to make of Ritter. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel good saying anything definitive either way. And Carr's, you know, Carr's good enough, especially for this division, which may be the reason they went ahead and signed him. San Francisco's kind of a mess, at least trying to figure it out. Purdy, his timeline for the surgery, it got pushed back. So if you look at the reports from when he just recently got the surgery, that would put him at throwing in mid-June, if that's to be believed. I have no idea if that'll happen or not. Trey Lance, at the end of January, said he was cleared and then sort of retracted that and said he was fully cleared eight or nine days later, where he said, look, I, what I meant was running. It wasn't like it was this egregious thing. He just kind of misspoke and made a mistake, had to address it. But that's a TBD with his ankle injury. Uh, and then they brought in Sam Darnold. Seattle, just to touch on the Geno Smith fake contract for three years and $105 million. When I saw the headline, I went, okay, that's probably fake. Like almost every huge contract, you look at the first three years, you look at the cash, you look at the signing bonus and all that stuff. This Geno thing is even close to $105 million. It's not. It's like three years, $75 million. Yes, there's some incentive stuff. If it really works out, any plays to the level he just played out, maybe even a little bit better, maybe. I don't know if that's likely, but the other thing that's kind of likely is this might be a one-year deal, whether it's 27 plus million in cash. That, when you go in and look at what this contract is, and this is not new, but it's just so weird that it's now 2023, we see the headline, and then everybody's like, man, go, wow, look at that. You never would have guessed that. Like, Gino, this is amazing. And again, I I would have never even guessed that we'd be talking about Gino this way, even with a contract that was misleading. And by the way, I also don't blame the agents because no agent would be like, hey, I'm going to leak the uh, deal. It's done to the reporter. Um, It could be 105, but it's definitely not going to be that. So, yeah, it's lower. Go with the it's way lower headline. But it's almost like every one of these contracts, we shouldn't be allowed to talk about it on any shows for like a week. Because when I dug into it this morning, the $40 million that's guaranteed, well, 12.7 of that is because of injury, which you know isn't a likely thing to happen where he's just hurt and can't play again. So they could actually move on from this. And that's why when Pete Carroll said this contract is not getting in the way of us necessarily drafting another quarterback, people were like, wait, what? And you're like, oh, well, this is, it feels like kind of like a one-year make good because his number at like 25, $27 million for just one year for a quarterback that's on a veteran like extension, that's actually pretty low. That number is low when you look at the new reality of what some of these cap hits are for these quarterbacks as the numbers keep escalating more and more, as they should. Um, Rams, Matthew Stafford, who knows what's going to happen there. And then you've got Kyler Murray in Arizona who, you know, is coming off an injury and a lot of questions. It's very rare that you would have this many dudes hint at a player being just a guy that doesn't seem to get it from the team standpoint. Um, But that's a massive contract, which you've already touched on. So you add it all up, what do you have? If you look at Sandoz QB tiers from July and you put Rodgers in the AFC to the Jets, that's Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Wilson, Watson, and Lamar. That's eight 
of the top 10 in the AFC with the TBD on what's going to happen here with Lamar. The only top 10s that were from the NFC, Brady retired, Stafford who has no chance at it. So Hurts, I would expect to move up because, again, that middle area that felt like it was deep and people at least put up serviceable numbers in today's version of the NFL where, you know, there's some passing numbers where you'll look at a guy and go, wow, what a great statistical season. You're like, yeah, I still would want like 12 guys over that guy. This middle gets really weird. When I was looking at the rankings again from July, like Hertz was 20th, which was totally fair. He's a question mark. I think he was a question mark even to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think all those questions have been answered. I'd like to see two awesome years like this where I go, hey, that's a guy I'd pencil in every single year. But I'd imagine he's probably close to like top 10. I mean, hell, Baker was 19th last year in these rankings and Hertz was 20th. Dak probably has a chance. I think Trevor Lawrence, who was 23rd last season, has a chance. If he were to jump up in the 10, again, he shouldn't be ahead of Hertz. Uh, I don't know that he should be ahead of Dak. Maybe some people look at it that way. Because again, it's not just Sando doing this. It's 50 plus people who work in the NFL, front office coaches, um, coordinate like the whole deal like it's it's a great resource of information which also speaks to how different we can be in the way we see things so these are real dudes talking about it that could be i don't know nine eight of the ten it's it's bad it's really bad for the nfc and i do think we're at the very beginning or at least this past season going into this next year the beginning of well, wait a minute what happened to all the quarterback depth so that brings us to the bears and their decision to keep fields uh which you know I think anything's on the table when you're running an organization. And at this point, Fields is in that group for me. If there was a tier, not with a number, but a, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. The running was cool, man. The running was really cool. The sack totals are insane. Some of that is not on him. Some of it is on him. The interception stuff, um, it's just some of, not just the numbers or the percentage of interceptions, the decision-making where it's like, what did you see there? Uh, I think it's problematic at the same time, but he didn't have any playmakers, which speaks to maybe going, hey, look, we could take another pick, but we don't like the receiver market, which we already mentioned. There's not another guy that's available for trade, or at least we don't have that move to make now. Maybe it's a little bit later. Maybe something else happens in front of the draft. Uh, and the Bears wanted to put this all to bed for Justin Fields, which I think some people can look at and say, well, there's tremendous value in ending all of the debate, all the soap opera BS stuff. Yeah, I think there's some. I think some of it can be a little overstated. I think it sounds cool in a column. I think it sounds good in kind of wrapping it up and spinning the positive of all this. But I feel like the prices always go up. If you're one of the other teams that desperately wants Stroud or wants Bryce Young or wants Will Levis or some of this Anthony Richardson stuff, Richardson stuff that's taken off, which I, you know, I can't like Carolina talking about potentially going number one with him. Um, I feel like the closer you get to the draft, there's more pressure and the team that doesn't have a quarterback and looks around being like, we got to do something. We got to figure this out. So I wonder if that price could have gone up because the price the Bears uh, received for that number one pick from Carolina was the ninth pick. So they moved down eight this year. They get the 61st pick this year. They get a first rounder in 24. They get a second rounder in 25. So really, if you look at history, some of these trades have involved like three firsts going over. Um, some of the prices seem lighter than this. This feels like in the last decade plus kind of like a middle price. So it's not overwhelming, which always leads me to like, why would you do it now? And if your point or the Bears point or the counters, it's great to do it for fields. You know, it'd be great to do it for fields, have the most assets you could possibly have for him. Like patting somebody in the back and looking at him going, you're our guy, buddy, is actually not as valuable as having more draft capital. All right. And you can factor in all these different things. If you go, hey, they should have gotten more from this. All right, but there isn't maybe that sure thing, can't miss prospect, which still misses at times at number one. So that changes the price. Um, the trade value chart, which I thought was was like comically 
flawed, and I don't even know how much people, but they still gets referenced every now and then because, again, the price, if it was a can't-miss guy, again, Trevor Lawrence was kind of creeping into that. Andrew Luck was certainly that when he was coming out number one. First of all, the team probably wouldn't even trade that pick. That would have been a different conversation for Fields if it was that kind of quarterback prospect, right? But with this class, I think you can sign off on Fields, and you've already invested the pick into him on top of everything else. So there's a bunch of different things that I'm kind of throwing at you here. It just felt like with DJ Moore, who's five years, he's caught 364 balls, 5,200-plus yards, 21 touchdowns. The weird number is that he had 364 catches on 616 targets. That's not a great ratio. But before I go too far with that, you have end-of-the-road Cam Newton, Heineke, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, Wash Cam, Baker, and more Sam Darnold throwing the football. Well, that's an argument for the D.J. Moore crowd that's out there. So if you look at the history, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, you know, when the Rams moved up for Goff, they traded Tennessee, the number 15 pick, two second rounders. They got a third back. They got another first and ended up being fifth overall, which might have been why the Bears wanted to pair with Carolina. And I'm trying to just think of all the different factors here where they're like, hey, Carolina's definitely going to be bad next year. So let's just go ahead and lock in that top 10 pick that we know instead of trading with somebody else that maybe turns like when you do the Mahomes trade uh, that Buffalo did, Buffalo traded out of 10. They got Kansas City's number 27 that year, a third, and then a 2018 first. You're like, yeah, Kansas City kind of has some shit together. Right? Not that anybody thought that necessarily this was going to happen with Mahomes, but you get my point. Your trading partner may be more important than the actual position or overall haul. Uh, the Wentz trade was a lot of stuff. The RG3-1, man, that was a ton. Um, number six, a second rounder, a first and 13 and 14 for the Rams' number two pick. So they didn't even control the draft. What you're doing here to Carolina is you're letting them now control the draft. They control it all. It can seem like it's not that big of a deal from number one to number two or just move up one spot, which the Bears did in the past, moving over for Mitch, where that price wasn't nearly as much. I guess to just look at it all again, step back from all the things I'm throwing at you, is the first time I heard about the trade, I went, all right, I guess that's okay, which makes me go, why would you do it now? Which I still think I'm right about. I think people are overstating the ending, the soap opera part of it, because assets are more important than that stuff that doesn't really matter. Because if your guy's not wired to handle that stuff, then he's probably it's probably not going to work out. I don't want a quarterback who's really sensitive. I don't, because it's a brutal position. And we still don't know what Fields is. Like I said before, you put him in that category of, of guys like, I don't know, TBD on that one. But we do know this. Even with this draft class and Carolina having the number one pick, the gap between quarterbacks in these two conferences is probably as staggering as I've ever seen it. This March, take your first shot at College Hoops with FanDuel Sportsbook and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks on the bracket and you'll have 200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line, two-point spreads to that 5 versus 12 seeded matchup that you are eyeing. Okay, if you're betting, filling out the brackets, all of it being combined here, here's a couple things to look at. Baylor, uh, as a 3 seed, they're actually outside the top 100 in defensive efficiency. If you want a number 12-5 matchup, Charleston, San Diego State. And if you are looking at the Zags, who have, by some accounts, the best offense in college basketball, four straight years of being a one seed, they're on the other side of UCLA that's still without two of their biggest defensive players, uh, Clark and Bona. So I am teasing you a little bit with that. 
Um, and the other part that I would say to keep in mind, and once we get through maybe even the Sweet 16, is knowing when to bail on that that Cinderella. Knowing when it's like, oh, everybody's on this, everybody's rooting for it. Although everybody roots for the Cinderella until it screws up your final four, and you're like, I don't want to watch this team against Alabama. Um, but people very big on Alabama, a lot of people picking them. They'll have the best player in college basketball on Brandon Miller, obviously, uh, on their side of things. So there's a few options for you with the tournament that are on FanDuel, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. There's no better place to bet the tournament than on FanDuel Sportsbook. Sign up today by going to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, and make every moment more with FanDuel all tournament long. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire in 14 days restrictions apply see full terms at fanduel.com forward slash sportsbook fanduel is offering online sports wagering in kansas under an agreement with kansas star casino llc gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash rg colorado iowa michigan new jersey ohio pennsylvania illinois tennessee virginia 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in arizona 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in connecticut 1-800-9 with it indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit mahelpline.org forward slash problem gambling in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-389 in New York, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Chris Ryan joins us. Massive contributor. Uh, got a new rewatchables out. Bad boys, the the one you're not thinking of. Yeah, 1983. Uh, yeah, what's going on with that one? That was a that was an old sports guy audible. Uh, right at the line, he saw 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 the defense what the defense was offering him, and he was like, "Let's let's do this." I hadn't seen it in forever, but man, it is really really good. It's a Sean Penn and Isai Morales in a, a reform school in Chicago in the early 80s. And some gangs, some violence. It's all, all the things that make a really special podcast. I have a bunch of basketball stuff I want to get to. Also, you can check them out with Andy on the watch twice a week. Um, it's terrific. It's one of my favorite pods here at the Ringer. Thanks, man. Was Sean Penn with the tournament approaching and people filling out, filling out their brackets? Was Sean Penn ever a one seed? <laughs> I think right around here, he's like, oh, this freshman class is amazing. Maybe if they stay together for another year, this could happen. And so it's like this at close range, Falcon and the Snowman taps fast times. Like he's putting together this resume. And then it's funny, like we talk about on the pod, but like the Madonna thing kind of comes in and derails it for a few years. But then he kind of emerges as a character actor and does Carlito's Way and Casualties of War and all these things. Goes on to win the Oscar with Dead Man. Um, But I, I don't know if he ever became a movie star. So if winning the tournament or being a one seed is a movie star, I I don't know if he ever like totally achieve that yeah i think a one seed is is you know it's not one person but at one point like the handful like who would be the one seeds right now like leo's undefeated duke yeah yeah chalamet i think is like he's a one seed so i mean excited yeah he's he's probably the biggest young star star him and tom holland yeah holland can't be a one seed he's got to do more stuff yeah he's got to do something without the spider-man outfit 
Right. I think that's a requirement for all guys. Is it, at some point <laughs> you got to take off the Spider Man outfit? You know, is Damon a one or is he a two? I feel like Damon is kind of aging into that Syracuse era. You know, every once in a while they'll throw the zone out and it'll really like surprise you. But for the most part, he's kind of like an old lion at this point. He's he's older than I am. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like Hanks is probably still a one, right? Uh, gosh, what's the last Hanks movie that came out and just popped, though? I don't know. This is, I, I put you on the spot here. I mean, I think um, Captain Phillips. Yeah, that's one seed stuff. But like, I still can't figure out what that accent was. He's got some <laughs> accents where because he's Tom Hanks, they've like, hey, just leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> just let him let him work it out. Just let him cook. Yeah. Like, we're not we're not going to worry about it all that much. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think the the man called Otto, is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, I know that's not for me. Like, Finch. I just know it isn't. Did you dial that up on Apple TV? I did watch some Finch. Yeah. Um, it felt a bit like Castaway, but with space stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the last movie that, like, really, really crushed for him. Where it was like, he's the guy. The Post, I guess, I suppose. Post was great. But we're, you know, I'm going back, going back in the books here. So maybe he's not a one seed anymore. I don't know. I guess I was just trying to think about this when when I saw that you were doing a Sean Penn thing because there was a moment there if you're a certain age where like he kind of was the it guy. Yeah. But he also was like the new Hollywood bad boy on top of everything else, and I think he embraced it all. And that's why at close range when you watch that movie, you're like, how much is this? Like I don't know much of a deviation this is. And Sean Penn was very good at kind of the the look. Like, yeah. Especially in that movie, he'd give you a look, and that was that was perfect for him. Where. I don't know. He had kind of like his go-to look and it just sort of worked. And maybe that's like something from an older era of Hollywood. Yeah, it was, I, it was his you talking to me look, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was and a little bit of that. Did you Were you a big State of Grace guy? I like State of Grace. Yeah, he's great in that. That was my favorite of his for a long time. He's so good in Carlito's way, though. He's so good as the lawyer. Um, and Carlito's Dave, way is Dave awesome. Kleinfeld is just the most amazing character name. It's, he really is a Dave Kleinfeld in that movie. I wonder if there are Dave Kleinfels being like, you know, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't, I don't need this. I guess, I guess before we move on to round out the rest of it, like is Bale one seed or is he not like box office enough? Talent wise, I think he is. Uh, I would put Bale up there with anybody else. If you're talking Damon, you have to include Affleck, but I guess Damon always feels a bit like, I don't know. Maybe he's underseated as a two, but it's just hard to compare anyone to DiCaprio because DiCaprio seems to be like, oh, he's in it. Yeah. Okay, then it's for everybody. And I don't think anybody's even at that tier. Maybe he's the only one seed as the exercise. When we when we went through DiCaprio's career when we did Catch Me If You Can a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, oh, this guy just worked with Spielberg and Scorsese and all the other best directors. Like that's that his his magic potion is only work with the best filmmakers, really. And so it's almost like every his his sort of career is the kind of thing that you can, it's really hard to replicate. You can have really good taste, but it's hard to be like, oh yeah, Martin Scorsese decided I was the next Robert De Niro and we just made eight movies together. Yeah, <laughs> like that. right. That's, that's what it is. I mean, I'd imagine Scorsese's probably good at figuring out like who can carry any one of these roles. Yeah. And I don't know if this is like a new thing, if it happened kind of like, it's not new, new, but kind of the Owen Wilson thing where it's like, oh, Owen Wilson's in it. Okay, I'm getting Owen Wilson for an hour and a half, two hours. Mm -hmm. And DiCaprio, 
even though there's some beats that are similar, it's just, I don't know. It seems like he has more range than a lot of the people in the last 10 plus years, 20 years of movies that we've seen. Oh, yeah. And and just has the best taste, which ultimately is what the number one seed thing really comes down to is like picking the right stuff. Okay. All right. Moving on to a different kind of seeding. What are you allowing yourself to talk yourself into about who the Sixers could be in the playoffs? You don't want to know. It's getting a little bit. It's getting a little bit psychedelic over here, um, especially with these last 15 games, because this is an experience that I haven't really had in the last couple of years, which is just like kind of not not dissimilar from how I felt about the Eagles during the regular season after a certain point, which is like this kind of like calm, which is not like a, a really um, common experience emotionally for Philadelphia sports fans. I think that they talk themselves into like a complete uh, frenzy all the time. But with the Sixers, like they're down 15 and I'm like, I think they could still win this with four minutes left. And the Sixers are up 15 and I'm like, they got this. We're not going to get shot out of this game. We're not going to like flop this one. And that's that's strange. I haven't felt that way uh, pretty much since the process started. <laughs> so to be in this place where I'm like, I think we have the best player on the planet. I think Harden's playing the best basketball he has in a couple of years. I actually like watching Harden play. And then you've got Maxi, who's just kind of like your prototypical, like, of course, all Philly fans are drunk on Maxi. It's just like kind of great time to watch this team. And, and you know, I think that Embiid not actively, I mean, you could say he's like campaigning by not campaigning, but coming out of the Oscars, you know, I don't feel like Embiid is like campaigning for the MVP. I feel like he's getting a lot of MVP type moments, game winning shots, going up against Jokic and kind of coming out the victor in that first game against Denver. But I don't feel like he's going around being like, what do I have to do to win this? I deserve it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's just been like this kind of incredible role for the last 15 games, especially, but really since, since Christmas. Uh, yeah, he might not be doing it, but certainly plenty of people are, which I do think at times convinces him that everybody's out to get him because it happened in the all-star thing. He was like, oh, here we go. Like, yeah, you know, so I don't, I actually feel bad when he says that stuff. Cause it's like, actually, I don't think that's really how people see you. When you did say best player in the world, do you think he's the best player in the world right now? On, on any given night, yeah. I mean, That's like, not the I, answer though. Is no, it? I know, but I. So, are we talking about the MVP? Or are we talking about no, even just talking I, about the best players? Like, how many players do you think are ahead of him right now? Because the world, best player in the world, best player in the league, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we say world because it sounds more dramatic, as if there's like this other. <laughs> yeah, there's some guy know. at Real Madrid. And it's just, <laughs> it's just like I'm. I'm, I'm like, the you man. know who's actually sneaky good? <laughs> you guys haven't been watching any Serbian hoops. Yeah, uh, this guy. Uh, it's MVP in that distinction. I think are different things. Other people may see it differently. So go ahead. No, I mean, that's a good question. I think that, uh, I think Giannis feels and looks like the best player in the world. I you would know, agree with that. like he carries himself as such. He's pretty much a complete basketball package. It's really hard to nitpick his game. Uh, and beat is, is very close for me. I mean, I, I think that when I think about that, that kind of distinction, I, I think about an all-around player and, and Embiid's contributions on defense, which I think probably reputationally is a little bit bigger than what he actually does. Like sometimes you can see him kind of taking some plays off or taking some 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 stretches off, but it's still, I think I, I was listening to you the other night with Bill talking about um, what is that? That lob to Claxton that Jokic is just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but it's like they wouldn't even try it with Embiid. Like he still has like a kind of aura around him that I think is 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 important. But yeah, I think Giannis is probably the best player in the world. But but Embiid's my guy. 
I do think the size thing is just an impediment to your plan is a really, first of all, it's very hard to figure out. Like I remember in the early Sloan days where I think they had a panel this year on mining inefficiency and public bitching, but I may not have seen that one. Uh, it's, it's somebody wrote a paper. It's like the block shots, like the most overrated thing of all time. And it's, you know, it came down to simple math. Like you don't get the possession back, right? Because nobody blocks it to keep it in bounds. I don't know if that could be something that would evolve. I know Simmons always brings it up all the time because of Bill Russell. I'm like, I don't know, man. Blocking shots is like really hard already. And then to time it where you're keeping it in bounds and play for your possession. Maybe, maybe that's the next evolution of it. Does that stat not account for the fact that it makes your fans go absolutely apeshit when it happens and like it's one of the only things that can happen on defense that people actually get excited about and that certain offensive players when it happens to them have no interest in trying to have yeah. it happen again so it it was a paper where i understood the math and then people got excited about it and i was like this is one of those things where it's it's separate of what basketball means and so back to the original point that's very pro Embiid is that he's going to make Giannis feel him in a way that I don't know that there's really another matchup uh, that can. And to Giannis's credit, I think I love the fact that he's like, I'm up for it. Let's go. I mean, yeah. we've gotten, I almost feel like that back and forth between Giannis and Embiid in some of these games, even regular season games, and the times it looked like Giannis wanted to steal Ben Simmons' soul from him as well, <laughs> where he's like, this guy's supposed to defend me. <laughs> I love, I think we've had some awesome, even going back years ago, some awesome Philadelphia-Milwaukee games. Yeah, I think that Boston usually gets brought up as their big rival, and they have like that, the this sort of, the, the, the history and also the transactional history with Fultz and Horford and, you know, like all that stuff. But it, it, Milwaukee is definitely the team that I I feel like it's just fun to watch them play sports against each other. Whereas Boston, it's just kind of like this pit in my stomach and it's just like, I can't believe it's happening again. Jesus Christ, Bill and all this stuff. But like Milwaukee is actually just like an awesome game to watch. You know what I mean? Like they, they're they're very evenly matched. They do different things. They play different ways. I think Bud and Doc are pretty different coaches in a lot of ways and what they try to do. And so it's kind of like a, it, it's the rivalry I wish was sort of more, was more of the foreground than the Boston one. Because the Boston one at this point is kind of like in my head. Yeah, but you got that Super Bowl. You got the, That's Super, true. the improbable Super Bowl that nobody not. But staying on like the MB big thing, I remember like when the Lakers kept, like they brought Dwight back and there was another player in there. And I remember I talked to somebody about the Lakers and I, I wasn't, it wasn't like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Which isn't a great way to ask a question to somebody who actually works with the team. Um, but it was kind of like a passive, like, hey, hmm, that's sort of interesting. And he said something that I, I've i never really you know, stopped thinking about with team building. And he goes, you know, sometimes you just need to be big. He's like, sometimes it's just like great to be just big down there and have you feel, you know, that there's a presence, there's a thought, like you're going in there. It doesn't mean he has to be you know, peak Akeem Elijah on. It's just like, let's be fucking big. Let's like, let's have an option to be big. And that's completely dismissed with the five out stuff, which still may be the right deal. And seeing centers get abused at the ends of some of these playoff games and switches because they're afraid nothing else is going to work and, and certain players will be attacked. Um, but Philly has somebody that's also one of the three best offensive players in the yeah. league who presents that. So that's, that's the part of it where I feel like Embiid I don't really care what some of the defensive stuff is. I just know when I watch it, I go, there's more there. And I like that Portland win. I think the Portland win, instead of like, I can't believe you're letting this team hang around this long, I thought it was a really long stretch for Philly. And to be able to come back and then do that and have your guy hit the game winner, 
Like I look at that win as a really important win, despite thinking that it's not close in talent between the two teams. And it felt like those were the games maybe earlier in the season, certainly last year, that they were just like, ah, we screwed that up. Oh, well, <laughs> we're going home. You know, they stick around now. And I think that they think that they deserve to win. These are all kind of euphemisms. I don't know if that's like, if that translates in any kind of like hard way, but I feel it as a, as a fan watching or as a, a person watching to like to derive content out of it. It's been a strange season for me because like I usually would be more of like, like doing the national thing where it's like you're trying to watch as many games as possible and make sure you're covering all the storylines. And this has been almost more of a beat reporter season for me where I just watch Sixers games because I'm just doing the Philly special. And so you notice all these little wrinkles of teams, you know, like where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like they're tired tonight or, oh, yeah, like this guy doesn't have it tonight or, oh, yeah, they're starting to buy into this a little bit. And they, I think that they are starting to buy into it. I don't think I don't think you win a Portland game like that where you're sort of giving it away. And then and then you can see them just sort of be like, no, no, not tonight. Yeah, which is the complete difference from what we saw from Boston last night, where you're like, okay, they'll figure this out eventually. Right. They'll figure this out eventually. And then they make their run. And it's like, wait, now you guys can't stop Houston again? Like, uh, I know Simmons had a tweet about it last night, but if you're watching the Celtics every night in the last two weeks, I mean, the irony is after the Philly win on a Saturday night, Tatum hits the game winner, here you go. Boston's not worried about Philadelphia when it comes down to it, if they're going to play in a playoff series. The game could have gone either way, obviously, with the Embiid shot there at the end. But like almost since that moment, you're looking at Boston going, what the hell's wrong with you guys? And there's like a lag that they have. Uh, smart as a mess. Grant Williams seems like he's totally detached from it in the last few weeks. And uh, I would argue Jalen Brown's been their best player the last couple of weeks. But, and uh, Philly went the opposite direction. Like Philly could yeah. have taken their toys <laughs> and gone home after losing to Boston again and being like, shit, I guess we're just, we're just, we're going to be third place. Like that's just like, we're always going to be third. We're always going to be a second round team or something. And then instead they kind of went out and kicked ass. Like they just, they went on their road trip. They played great on the road trip. They like have had some real, like there's just no sweat wins here. And, and they've had, and obviously the Milwaukee game was like a signature victory for the season. Yeah, since that win, Boston is three and five. Uh, and the Houston loss was bad. It was, I mean, last night, I don't know how many people were locked into that, especially with better options <laughs> with Golden State um, putting up an insane first half against a Phoenix team. Uh, and then, you know, Milwaukee, Sacramento, I was looking forward to all weekend. And it kind of played out exactly like Giannis had what he should have had is for the ABC Saturday night game. He has it on a Monday at Sacramento, can get lost a little bit there. If Giannis has that kind of game on Saturday night, the MVP conversation takes a non-MB turn this entire mm -hmm. week. But it's a Monday in Sacramento, so it's not going to get the same kind of love, even though he decided, hey, enough of this shit. I'm winning this game now. I was wondering if you remember a, an MVP race, to the, and this is certainly one of those, that's been dictated so much by like exposure. You know, like, because I was thinking about the the Embiid Jokic game that's going to be at the end of the month, and at, that's a Monday on NBA TV. I, th I think that's probably still during the tournament too. But that is like, a, I was joking around with Raheem on Ringer Special about how that's like a loser leave town game. Like, if if Embiid somehow topples Jokic in Denver, that's going to be this incredible statement on it. But it's it's so fascinating to see like these this race come down to like who's playing who when on what channel at what day. Yeah, because I think the the Jokic and Bead matchup, and again, I think it's always a mistake to think like social media is a really good indicator of how it's really playing out. But social media loves Embiid, and yeah. they love hating on Jokic. Um, 
And that was kind of what Bill and I were doing on Sunday. It's like, just to say it's close doesn't mean you're a fucking moron who's never watched basketball before because it is actually close. But that, the momentum, the recency of it, the fact that Embiid got him in the first matchup this year, Mm -hmm. like it's going to be a big, big deal. And I don't know that people can prevent themselves. Like, I don't know that you can go back and be like, okay, let's look at the October, November, January, February, March, month to month stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people do that where you're going, it's supposed to be the entire season, but it's the same thing with the college football polls. Like people cannot help themselves. Like, yeah. oh, you lost a close one on the road to a team that's equal to you. Uh, I got to jump five teams ahead of you now. And you're like, wait a minute. Like they were favored. They're supposed to be better than us. We show that we're a possession away. And now we're worse than these other teams that wouldn't be able to do the same thing. So um, the polls, not maybe the best analogy, but there's some similar components to it where I, <laughs> the other thing too is I don't know that Jokic is, well, we'll see, we'll see. Like Bill said, I don't think he even cares. I'm like, I'm sure at some point, some part of Jokic is like, hey, winning three MVPs and being the third to ever do it would be a really cool thing. And if Jokic wouldn't take it seriously and Embiid does take it seriously, then that's going to decide it for a lot of people on top of everything else. You'd be like, wait, you don't, like, where are you at with it? But I also would contend, which I also brought up, is that physically Jokic never is is impressive. It's never as impressive until you, like, look at what he's doing. Because while he's doing it, you're like, wait, what is he doing again? Where Embiid, when he's doing it, it seems like this unstoppable force that you're just so enamored with every time he steps foot on the court. Yeah, it's like you have to kind of put yourself almost in the, like, what if you brought a guy in a time machine from, like, 2001 and showed him a Jokic game? Like, can you imagine what he would think of this behemoth running point up the court and then directing all of his teammates about where they should stand for like his pass. And it would just be like, I, I can't believe that. Like, I feel like I'm seeing Technicolor for the first time, but on a night to night basis. Yeah. Like Jokic is not taking, I don't think maybe it's also because like Embiid is a good dramatist and, and Embiid takes those falls and Embiid is like playing to the crowd. And Embiid, I think is like kind of has more of the emotional arc of the game running through him. Whereas Jokic is like, I'm punching the clock. I'm going to, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to get this win. Um, I uh, Honestly, I think that these sort of uh, quote-unquote big matchups are honestly like really redemptive for the regular season. I, I think we need more of them. I think we need more like this is a hugely important game for an individual award when essentially like the seedings are kind of like locked in in a lot of these places. I think it's fantastic to have like a hey man, don't make don't make any plans Monday night. Jokic and beat your plan at six. We don't have enough of it. I mean, any of the Nets Sixer stuff, like no one should downplay it. No one yeah. that's playing in it. No one that's covering it. Those of us that are talking about it. I wanted more of that shit. I wanted Ben Simmons getting booed like crazy and that game feeling like it had a little extra to it. I loved when the Clippers, it felt like, I remember Van Pelko and like, who do the Clippers, who hates the Clippers the most? And we went through like six teams in the West. We couldn't figure out which one hated them the most when it was Lob City between Paul, Blake, and DeAndre. You're like, man, they get a beef with everybody all the time. Portland, Houston, Golden State. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on. I was looking forward to Kyrie and Dylan Brooks the last two games. Yeah. Didn't get it either time. <laughs> um, so even with Trey Lyles and the Giannis stuff at the end, I don't know that we're going to get Bucks Kings in the NBA Finals, but this part of the season, like we grew up with certain teams where you knew they didn't like each other, and yeah. we're in a bit of a void. We're in a real void of like, hey, that guy doesn't like that guy, and I want more people to not like each other. 
So I try not to ever get mad at him. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like I'm not even looking for fights. I just want people to be oh. like, this is bragging rights, man. Like, I we got to get these guys. <laughs> I cannot lose them. And and I think that that's one of the things that often drives me crazy about the Celtics rivalry with the Sixers is that I can tell it bothers the Sixers more than the Boston cares about it. Like, I'm sure Boston and Horford especially is just like not a especially big fan of the Sixers organization, but or at least his sister is. But like, it's it seems like that one is one of those things where you're it's like you you're the one who spends all week thinking about how you're gonna dress some kid down in the cafeteria and you get there and the kid's like, Who are you again? Like Boston Boston's a little bit more like, yeah, it's a Wednesday night, man. And Philly's like, we've been talking about this for two weeks. Okay, so does that mean in a playoff series you're picking them against the Celtics right now? Confidence test. Monday, Tuesday, excuse me. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Against the Bucks, you're picking them. <sighs> I really like them against the Bucks. I really okay. like them against the Bucks. All right. I'm not going to add. I'm not, I'm not going ask. crazy here. I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep it within. I feel like you're in the rails. Us, I think the inner dialogue is a little more aggressive than the outer do- dialogue <laughs> from, from Chris on this one. Okay. Dare I suggest Doc Rivers deserves any credit for hey, Doc trying. extension? Can we do that? Is it too early? <laughs> There's nights where I'm like, oh, okay, I see what he did here. You know, like, the adjustments thing is so overplayed. Like, oh, tell me an adjustment he made. Like, oh, well, he 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 moved the guys up here. The adjustments he makes is somehow when we're down a guy, he's he's better. He's a better coach. When somebody's got a night off or somebody gets hurt or he loses two guys, like we lost Tucker and Harris against the Bucks, he just seems to know what to do. And I don't know if that's experience or if it's luck or what. Maybe it's both. But he's like pretty good at playing with a hand tied behind his back, and and that's going to be useful in the playoffs. Yeah, but with his, you know, three massive failing grades mm-hmm. uh where i i gave up after the atlanta one i was like okay i you know I, I know he's a good coach i think there's a personality part of it too that plays well um but then i remember like somebody telling me like now there's this massive disconnect the number of times you'll hear like about a team and the head coach like oh these guys aren't on the same page and the guy's like there four more years you know, like i guess that wasn't that great <laughs> info or maybe it was accurate didn't mean anything but the doubt meter do you think the doubt meter is higher for harden or doc once this thing gets real. Because I don't think MB deserves to be on that doubt meter because there are certain players I feel like that haven't advanced in the playoffs that they just haven't advanced. And there's other players I feel like that haven't advanced in the playoffs and they should look in the mirror. Harden, I think, has played that doubt away for me. And maybe there's like a bunch of people in Houston right now who are like, first time? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... But... I don't know. They seem to want him back. They, they... I know. <laughs> but I think that um, this version of Harden that I've been watching it just seems like the greatest pickup player in the world. Like, he's just kind of like, I, I roll at my speed. I know how to get him beat the ball where he needs it. I can hit some threes when they're needed. Sometimes I'll score 18. Sometimes I'll score 38. I might do- dial up 20 assists today. It's like, he's kind of got the world on a string in that regard. And then I like the amount of contact he's taking right now is like, he seems to be really using his body in a smart way. It's not, I mean, at least from my eyes, I'm sure that if you're like not a fan of the Sixers and you're watching, it's like, you're like, oh, same old hardened bullshit. But I feel like he's not doing the head snap back arms fly up in the air drive as much this year. Um, I'm not saying that like his hamstrings aren't going to snap as soon as like it gets intense in the playoffs. But I think that, it's hard to answer that question because for Harden, it's almost more of a physical stamina thing. And for Doc, it's more of a 
management aptitude thing. So I, I, I don't know whether I doubt one more than the other. And I, I think that I'm just so surprised that I've become a hardened guy <laughs> in this point in my life that it's like, I guess it's more, more down on doc. Okay. All right. Uh, last topic here. Can you think of a guy like Harden for me that you've had like a 360 on? I mean, I wouldn't even say I have a Harden poster in my room, but like I've just like really enjoyed the experience this season. Can have you ever come full circle on a guy? Uh Well, I think your full circle direction is is being driven by selfishness on top of sure. everything else, right? Sure. I mean, to be fair, so I love it for Embiid. I love that it's like, hey, this is what it's like to have a guy who knows how to get an entry pass in. <laughs> we haven't had that entire career. <laughs> right. His entire fucking, career. Poor fucking guys like seven feet out from the elbow catching it with his back to the basket while dudes are staring at him. You know, yeah. not that I, you know, the hardened off ball stuff will never sit well with me because I think it's a decision to make. You're like, wait, you don't want to cut or anything? Yeah. I think in the playoffs, you know, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, so it has to be somebody I didn't like in that I ended up being like, you know what? I really like him now, but I'd have to, it'd have to be like probably from my childhood for me to still be that passionate about rooting right. for the outcome of it. Cause unfortunately that part of me is gone, which is definitely healthier, but I definitely miss it too. Like I miss, I miss caring about it, but I also don't miss caring about it, which if that makes any sense, I, it's a, it's a tough answer for me. Cause like the first one that jumped in my head was Reggie Jackson, which isn't the answer you're looking for. <laughs> All right. Like I didn't like Reggie Jackson with the yeah. thunder. I didn't like him with the, I like the players in the NBA that go, you know what, this is actually who I'm going to be. You know, we don't like to put a ceiling on anyone, but there's a, there's a growing up in the NBA where it's like, all right, I got to find my place. And I thought for a couple of years there with the Clippers, I was like, oh, you know, he really has kind of figured out who he is. Reggie Jackson's not who you were looking for for that one. So I'd have to get back to you on that. Okay. I, I don't think, because here's the point, Chris, is that if Harden were on, um, you know, let's just put him on this. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the perfect, let's say there's no Luca and, and James Harden's yeah, on the Dallas. He's the guy in Dallas. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't be as invested as. No, I wouldn't be like, Dallas is on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, you know what? This Harden guy, he is he's a okay in my book. <laughs> uh, no. All right. Last thing I want to touch on here. Where is succession? I'm making you rank a lot of shit today. I should have given you more of a heads up, but I, that's OK. I, I know you're I feel good. Like that you're, you're getting me back for Bill being like, Ryan, top 11 uh, white shooting guards to come out of the Big East. <laughs> He tells me that he does it because I'm better in the moment. And I'm like, no, you don't. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> like he had one where he was like, oh, by the way, I did my top 25, whatever. And I was like, what? I was like, you didn't tell me any. I was like, you should at least tell me this is the exercise. I don't need to give my 25, but like, let me. And he was like, no, no, it'd be better this way. Yeah. I actually think it's not evil. I believe that it's he just thinks of something an hour before we're about to tape. And then he does it, and then, he's and like, then hey, has an encyclopedic dump of that person's like entire histo history, and you're just like, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, man, that's crazy. That <laughs> happened. <laughs> you are correct, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's what's your number one? Yeah, see, I know you can do this because you you talk about it outside of the sports thing, television shows. Is what's your number one? My number one show of all time. Yeah, of all time. Probably the Wire. Still, yeah. 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 No, uh, it's it, played, but I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I think Whatever. that the combination of like uh, the sheer achievement of it as a piece of of intellectual work on top of it being so gripping 
is is really tough for, tough to top for me. And it also hit at a time in my life where you know I was like, this is exactly the show that I want. I can't believe television is this good. You know? Okay. No. What's uh, what's number two? Um, I'm actually. Top you know, 35. The, We're going to do top 35. Yeah, okay. Right <laughs> so should we start at 35? Uh, Gilmore Girls? And then, no. I would probably say two is still Breaking Bad. And and I think that it may, may be because of the totality of the Better Call Saul achievement and like the entire thing that they did. But I think at that at, the, at its best, that show is kind of on another level for me. All right. Um, I'd have Mad Men too. for okay. me. Okay. Uh, I don't think it needs a ton of I'm not that original. They're all like those th- those shows are no. all in the top 5. Like I think that there's a couple of uh things like, you know, like I was a huge Justified fan and I think Justified was actually like a criminally underrated show. Um I was a huge Eastbound and Down fan. If you're if you're including comedy in the in that that category or in this sort of like rarefied air but succession is we've had this conversation a little it bit has around a chance yeah right? it does it does and i think that ending in season four is the right thing i think that they've kind of like come to the conclusion of this question that the show has been asking you know the show is like what will these kids do and what will logan do to either protect or to get his kingdom and i just think that if they made this a six seven season show and it was just like oh roman Blew up another satellite, you know, like it could be. I, I, I've thought about this. It could be Veep. You could just do this show forever. You could bring new people in. You could, there every year there could be a, a new villain or whatever. But like I think if, in a dramatic terms, this is the right p- time for it to end. Yeah, it's not going to end up like Lost. Where Lost, I would say, is up there for me mm-hmm. because it was so fucking cool. It was different. Uh, it was huge. And then, you know, depending on what you believe on the research of, of like how it mapped out or, and you can probably correct me on this, but it was like, Hey, can you throw another season in there? <laughs> just yeah. this thing's crushing. And then it's like, Oh, and then it gets a little weird. And then it kind of comes back and it figures it out. It's just so hard to do this. It's so hard to go, Hey, here's the idea for the show. And then here's my five seasons and here's why they all make sense. And here's an ending that wraps it all up. But like the standard for where this one is, like not to use the Mount Rushmore thing, but the ending could put this right up there with those other shows for me. Yeah, I mean, and so not to not to give it. I mean, I don't know if there are people listening to this segment who haven't watched the third season, but I think one of the weird things that happened last season was when it was suggested that Kendall might be dead for essentially a week in between those two episodes. I was like, this would be the bravest thing the show could possibly do. Is is it's not that every dramatic storyline needs to end in a death for it to be significant, but I thought that this guy actually finally getting chewed up and spit out by this world would have been such a profound way to like kind of talk about what this family is and what this father did to his kids and what this how they processed it. And then they kind of just dialed it back five five points and they were like, no, 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 he, he's fine and he's back and now he's going to go for the company again and then we're going to run it all back. And so I think that any any more moments like that where they would take it up to the edge of sort of Oh, this is actually real. This this is actually significant. Like something terrible happened, and then pull it back from the edge. I don't. I don't think you can do that very many times and not lose the trust of the viewer. Um, but I think that I think that at its best and and right, on a week-to-week basis, to interrupt. Then yeah, it becomes like Gold Rush, where it's like, oh my god, they have to stop sluicing. Like, <laughs> oh, they fixed it. You know? Yeah. Like every, Every one of those shows that has any mechanical stuff, it's like, oh, we're going to break. Could be a flood. Like, yeah. No, they figured they 
they were able to get the excavator across. Um, so sorry, I interrupted you, but you're right. Like, I like what you're saying about if you can't keep playing that fucking note over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I, I just saw the, um, the new screen movie and I, I really enjoy those films, but like they've now gotten to the point where, uh, being stabbed in the stomach is not fatal, you know, like, cause they just keep, and they'll just be like, no, no, we got a faint pulse. They're okay. And I don't want that to happen to succession, you know? What do you want it to be? What do you want the end to be? I'm sure you've thought of it. You and Andy talked about, because I mean, with him running a show. Yeah, yeah. We've talked a little bit about it. I I don't have a, a clubhouse favorite in this. I, I, I think that there are some very funny outcomes like Connor or Greg winding up running the company. Um, I think it needs to end where it began, which is this guy dying, you know, uh, essentially. You know, I, th I think that this has been watching this guy decay over the course of the last few seasons and refusing to give up power. And I think that that's probably where it's going to go, if I had to guess. I'm wondering if Shiv's going to win. <laughs> you you know, pulling for it? I, know, I could do this with any of the characters. Um, I mean, Kendall never gets this. No. It doesn't work out for the Kendalls, right? No. So then Roman would be the wheel wild card um connor would be it would feel like it was flat but like you could argue that shiv is more deserving and the most fucked with even more so than kendall sure because kendall is probably still the one logan would like it to work out with even though he knows it can't but shiv gets teased i think more than kendall does or at least she gets teased in a way where it actually feels like oh i'm not doing anything like i'm not doing the things that kendall's doing so I'm more deserving of it. Uh, and maybe the, maybe the end is that it's none of those endings. That they said, hey, we're ending it four seasons in. We're not going to eight seasons where it's the same jokes and the same stuff. Even though I could watch them talk without the story going anywhere. There's not many shows that I could sit and be like, I just want to watch them talk to each other. Because Tom is awesome. Cousin Greg is so awesome. Like the, the way they wrote that dinner scene too. And you're just like, God, my God, this is, this is like really next level stuff. Um, that maybe because we're all holding to the standards, like you're really, really nervous, but it's, we've said all the time, like one of the reasons I like the wires, they didn't try to come up with some complicated ending. They were like, the whole point is this is never going to stop. Yeah. And it's just a cycle and it's going to go over and over and over again. And it was the right ending. It was the perfect ending for it. Cause it wasn't trying to be some dramatic ending. This one, I don't think can get away with something like, yeah, you know, Shit's difficult, man. I don't think we can get that from this no, show. No, I mean, I, I think that there's a joke ending of like something like Jerry becoming the head, head of the company or like, see, they, they destroyed themselves. But this is one of those unique shows. I'm trying to think of another one like this where you watch it on a week-to-week -week basis for the comedy, but it's important because of the drama. Like, the, like you're saying, you could just watch these people talk for five more seasons. But you can't watch them almost get to the precipice of toppling this guy and then falling back five steps for five more seasons. I think that that would be a repetitive experience after a while and would diminish what it did. I'm rooting for Tom. I'm rooting for Tom. Uh, I think he's... Certainly threw his, threw his hat in the ring. So, yeah, I think that there's definitely... There, that's a possibility. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's Chris Ryan. You can hear him talk more extensively uh, with Andy on the watch twice a week. And again, that rewatchables out with Bill all the time. Uh, thanks for the time. Thanks, man. You want details? Bye.
I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Today's life advice is presented by State Farm. Navigating the real world is never easy. Working, paying bills, buying a home, all the big stuff. There's no instruction manual for any of it, so figuring it out on your own can be stressful. With State Farm, you can scratch insurance off that list of stressful stuff. So when you ask yourself, what if I get into an accident? Or what if I want to renovate my home? State Farm is there for your what-ifs. I had a real-world problem the other day, and... State Farm fixed it for me. It was unbelievable. I was like, wait, I just scratched the car. Why was that thing there? Did I do it? What happened there? And I was like, oh, wait, that's why I have State Farm. And I'll tell you right now, they make this stuff really easy. Really easy. Wasn't a crash. Wasn't anything like that. It was just straight up. Hey, that happened. Was annoyed about it. Stared at it. Looked at it in my car. It's like, I hate that look. I hate that look. I'm like, well, I am paying for this. And then guess what? Pay for insurance. It works. That's a lesson for you youngsters out there. You can file a claim on the State Farm mobile app, or if you prefer to talk to a real person, including your agent, call anytime. It's what they do. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Life advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Oh, that is the email address. What is up, Kyle? What is up, Steve? How are you guys? Doing well. Going to the office now uh, like five times a week. Shout out to the tournament. Um, went to Tate's birthday this weekend. It was uh, just good times all around. Well, that's great. Happy birthday, Tate. What up, Tate? It's just weird on the new Tuesday-Thursday deal. I feel like I go, there's this huge Thursday-to-Tuesday gap. You know, I get Saruti on Sunday nights with Bill, but I don't know. just want to say hi. Yeah. You get Kyle do, there, too. Uh, Come on. Just say hi. Yeah, about to say. That didn't hurt at all. Uh-oh. But, uh, <laughs> cool. What are you talking about? That's what I mean. That's you said I get Saruti on Sunday nights with Bill, but uh, hey, listen, <laughs> I'm sure it was just a slip of the tongue. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you are on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. No, no. That's all right. Hot start. <laughs> Good start. Good start. Riveting stuff. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's get to all the right. emails. Um, do you talk? You, have you ever talked on the Sunday Sunday pod? Just to be fair. Yeah, with Sal usually. Bill knows that uh, you and I don't get along, so he doesn't really address me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, we'll just keep we'll keep moving. Um, update on the pyramid scheme guy. Remember our guy was mm. super into stuff. All the right. Lovable, so, but doofy brother-in-law. Yeah. Lovable, but asking his mom to buy lotions, subscriptions to lotions. I think a lot of people waste money on lotions. I'll just, I'll just say it. You know, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get a lotion deal. I think a lot of times you buy it and then you Wait. have it and then you're like, this is just a tub of this stuff. I'm going to zag on that. I actually what? think the older I get, the, the more underrated lotions are. Like get a hand lotion, a little hand cream. Like my hands are a disaster right now. So I'm, I'm very pro lotion. I don't want to like hands. What are you? I'm not, I'm not buying a ton of lotion from some random guy, but like I think lotion is properly rated. Do you have a lotion subscription? I don't have a subscription. No, honestly, if I did, that I'd probably would, that would be too much lotion. Not, yeah, not correct. Shitty and calloused. Yeah. But no, I've had a couple hand lotions that I feel like whenever I'm somewhere. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I feel like whenever you like, if you go to, I don't know. I don't know that I'm going through people's bathrooms uh, all that often anymore. But I just, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot out. Just a lot out there. 
just a lot out there. I think I feel like people have a higher supply than their need. All right. So there you go. Okay. Anyway, back to the update on this. Your advice that George's passion for pushing Amway product would fade on its own. And it was spot on. I saw my brother-in-law over the weekend and asked him how the recruiting was going. George said, quote, we don't use that word. (laughs) Before pausing, (laughs) before pausing and saying, quote, honestly, bro, it's hot and cold. It's tough to get out there. Uh, he knows I'm a skeptic, so his pitch to me was very, very soft. He cracked open one of the cold, fizzy energy drinks they keep in their garage fridge and said, here, try this. It tasted all right, but I won't be placing an order. So our guy's <laughs> early on to energy drinks. I fucking knew it. I called it. <laughs> I knew it. Well, that's yeah. nice. That's nice. This faded. That was, um, that was an incredibly, like, that guy was a good writer. It's funny that he said we don't use that word. Like it's like one of those, uh, one of those like cults that label you as like a negative person. Like we don't use those words. That's that's like that's a that's a non-positive person who says the word recruiting. So uh, that's funny. Yeah, words and and what can happen to the evolution of words is I don't know that I'll do an episode on it, but basically a lot of times whenever a word then becomes kind of commonplace, it'll be like yeah, that's not you know. You're not going to use that now. Like tanking, right? If you ever said tanking as a team, like you can't do that. And then you were rebuilding. And then you can't say rebuilding. Uh, when I did minor league baseball games, I wasn't allowed to say rain delay when there was, in fact, a rain delay. And I was like, well, well that seems complicated. That was like always the thing in radio. It's like, don't say we're going to break. And you're like, yeah, but they know we're going to break. It's a, They know the tease. They know what's happening. Like we're not, how, how dumb is the audience? You just have like, to say we'll be right sense. back. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> like, we'll be right back. Don't say go, don't say break. It's a yeah. bad word. You're like, okay. Yeah, never never tell, never invite the listener to change the channel by telling them that you're going away as if <laughs> the commercial wouldn't give one it away. Person yeah. listening, be like, Where did they go? Well, they didn't say they they didn't say they went away. What the fuck I is this? I gotta get to the bottom of this. <laughs> what is this? I can refinance my mortgage. Where's the guy? Where's Where Ryan? He, go? <laughs> he never said he went. He never said he went. Is should I call someone? And then you come back. You're like, all right, Roethlisberger. If he had a better, you know, and then it's like, oh, there he is. I guess Phew. he was nowhere. <laughs> all that stuff that happened in between. Yeah. Like, I was like, what am I supposed to do with a rain delay? He's like, you just can't advertise that there's potentially, like, we don't want people in the car or at home going, oh, I should go see a baseball game. Oh, wait, it rains sometimes during baseball games? No, nah, I'm never going to go. As if that person prior to that never, ever thought of that. Right? They're like, wait, it rains at these things? I've never heard that on the radio. So we're just so we're just not mentioning that the game should start. We're just talking more stats and stuff, and and until <laughs> you're just I mean, talking your way through a rain delay. Obviously, I I poured it on during one of them. I was like, there appears to be this liquid form. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's doing like play by play, like it's game seven well. of the of the tarp coming out in the field. I would actually watch that. That sounds entertaining. Actually, because I was second guy in the booth when the tarp came out, I had to run down and pull the tarp. Oh, you were, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wait, so you were I sales play by play on the resume. I waved parking in before the game started. Um, I remember I checked out a girl walking across the parking lot and a dad full of people in the car was like, Hey, can you not check out the women and wave us in? I was like, I'm not really a parking attendant. I'm, <laughs> I'm on air. I call the game. <laughs> sure, sure, buddy. I'm, sure I'm you are. Yeah, I'm on air. <laughs> I cleaned the seats. I dressed as the mascot. I cold called, sold tickets. Uh, I was supposed to be able to sell other larger advertising t- 
things, uh, but that never happened. Um, Get somebody who could do you all those things. Stuff. Yeah, and then on lunch break, I hid in the third clubhouse and read Baseball America just to get away from everybody while I crushed a salad covered in chicken. Got lost in Trenton a few times. All right, good stuff. I, I've, I feel like the new audience is like, wait, what the fuck? And the old audience is like, yeah, <laughs> like, dude, we, yeah, got we it. get it. We've heard it. <laughs> We've heard it all before. It's a nice reminder, though. I didn't know you were a mascot. I, this is I've the first time I heard story, you were a but maybe, guy. I don't know. Yeah, layers, man. Layers. That I felt like they were like, yeah, you know, we're going to let you do this, but we're also going to remind you, you can go fuck yourself every now and then. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'd be like, okay, Dan, looks like the tarp's coming out. I'll see you at the top of the fourth. <laughs> I come back up like, how was it, Ryan? I'd be like, oh, pretty good. Pretty good. A good, good, a good crew. We were level the whole way. Why don't you, you go know? grab some lunches for Silo? <laughs> <laughs> Kept air minimum. All right. All right. Back, back to, uh, back to one. Cause this one's uh this one's a big one. Okay, what's up, fellas? Name's Craig, 26, 57, 180. Not fat, really, just generally broad-shouldered dude with natural bulk, NBD. Got an interesting situation that I'd love your thoughts on. Was in Scottsdale. Things go down in Scottsdale. Mm. That's a bumper sticker. Uh, in Scottsdale for my girlfriend's cousin's wedding, the weekend of March uh, 4th. Oh, this guy's... What time did it start? The entire weekend was pure chaos. For some background, about two weeks before the wedding, my girlfriend's uncle whose daughter was getting married, booked an Airbnb for him, his wife, my girlfriend, her three siblings, her parents, her grandparents, and myself. Do some quick math. That's 11 people across a tight four-bedroom, two-bathroom place. Well, this Ooh, sounds penny pinching. awful. This is where you go. And again, finances obviously play a part in all this stuff. Uh, it sounds like this guy kind of wanted to call the shots and felt like he could because it was his daughter getting married with all this. But this is where you just make up IBS or something. You're like, hey. I, I can't stay there. 11 people, two bedrooms. Like I'm a disaster. You give me cottage cheese, fucking look out. Um, and then that's your out. But again, for the expense part, you probably save some money on it. So again, I don't blame you on that one. I, I would have slept outside before I did this. Uh, but anyway, Okay, so as you can guess, right off the rip, people are in close quarters. It's tense, especially when you factor in that no one in the family likes this uncle. I had never met him prior to this, and I'd been with, uh, I've been with my girlfriend now for two years. I'm going to leave her name out. And uh, the wife, who is my girlfriend's mom's sister. Okay, makes sense. Uh, I actually can follow this weird family tree. Okay. Everybody with me so far? Yeah, thanks, Rudy, so. Kyle. Girlfriend's okay. mom's sister. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense, right? Uh, she, the mom has let this crazy uncle walk all over for 30 years back to the story we show up on friday in the jam-packed airbnb and before we can even take our bags upstairs we're asked if we could start cutting some mozzarella for the appetizers tomorrow for the wedding <laughs> this is when it's set in for everyone the uncle is significantly cheaping out on the wedding despite being very wealthy by doing all the work albeit shit work uh himself and the only reason he booked for all of us to stay with him is so he could get a couple people to do free work as well needless to say <laughs> this sucks man i already hate this uh needs to say my girlfriend her siblings and myself did not do any of the work because we all had to spend nearly 500 dollars in a cross-country cross-country plane ticket for 48 hours in arizona and lord knows we aren't spending any of that time doing tomatoes or dicing tomatoes either one works fast forward to the next day it's the it's the birthday so it's his girlfriend's sister's birthday uh, all of us are all going out that night after the wedding. That's right. These guys are 26. They're in Scottsdale. They're going out. Um, 
the wedding festivities happen. It's a great time. Wedding was beautiful. We get to the Airbnb around 1030 to the uncle frantically cleaning the dishes that he served his rinky dink appetizers on. So wait, he had you guys meal prep appetizers that were used for the wedding reception. Again, if finances are factored in here based on this email, this guy just decided he didn't want to pay somebody to do some caprese salads, I guess. So he's throwing dishes around in the kitchen, yelling at his mother and father-in-law, belittling every person who isn't helping him out, including his wife. We all get ready to go out for the birthday of uh, my girlfriend's, uh, her sister. And then the uncle loses his marbles, demanding that we, quote, get off our lazy asses and do some work for the people who booked the Airbnb. We rolled our eyes as the Uber was two minutes away, and then he says it again for a third time, but this time about as loud as someone can without bursting blood vessels. By this point, I've had enough. So I say out loud, quote, would you fuck off already? Yeah. Oh, boy. I was sitting on the couch with my back turned to him when I said it. And within less three, with less than three seconds, I was off the couch after getting sucker punched in the back of the head by the guy. Whoa. <laughs> That's wow, assault, a turn. brother. Every single person, including my girlfriend and her parents, freaked out. I would hope your girlfriend would be, freak out. I hope her parents would freak out. I hope everybody did freak out. I, despite my temper did not physically go apeshit on him, but instead got up and channeled my inner denarius and told him that he ever put his hands on me again. It would be the last time he had hands. What a line. Uh, girlfriend's parents and siblings booked a new Airbnb for the night. Trying to be the bigger person. I actually apologized to the family and the sack of shit uncle for saying what I said. Uh, while also telling them that he was a scumbag, so take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, it's tough to kind of apologize to someone <laughs> while also calling him a scumbag, yeah. but it appears that that's the move you pulled off. We flew out the next day. The uncle avoided all contact with me after even going so far as to sit outside and eat brunch by himself while the yes. entire family yes. ate inside the restaurant the next morning. Punishment brunch. Wow. Unless, I mean, did he decide to do that because of you? Or did the family say, why don't you go sit by yourself? Because <laughs> Think point, about what you've don't done. Go, yeah, just don't go to brunch with everybody. I, you know. My questions are, do you think I handled the situation well? Should I have fought the uncle? Should I press charges? I've thought about <laughs> filing a lawsuit as my oh. neck has been pretty fucked up since. But this is my future wife's family. Granted, people they never see. So not really sure what to do here. Got student loans to pay, and I'd love to drive the knife in a little deeper on a guy who truly deserves it, as I've heard horror stories about him uh, when my girlfriend and her siblings were young. Also, I'm not even mad about the situation. If anything, I find it, quote, I find saying I got sucker punched by my girlfriend's psychotic uncle is a really funny thing to say, and it'll be absolutely something to look back on and have a huge laugh about. Thanks for the endless laughs. Keep it up. Um, he did attach a photo saying, quote, and here's a photo so you can tell me how hot my girlfriend is and confirm to me that I'm not far, uh, I'm not fat as previously mentioned in the prior. I don't, I don't know what he's saying here. Yeah, the girlfriend's hot, dude. Awesome. Okay. Um, a couple things. The lawsuit, pressing charges, trying to make money off of them. That would not be my deal. Uh, I, w I would never do that. Um, you did say like, hey, this is the future, you know, family. You're going to marry this girl. But they said they never see him. I mean, it's kind of like it sucks this happened. 
but now you have the best out ever. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going with them. I'm not ever doing this. You really, <laughs> nobody should have done this at the beginning, but he clearly is the guy that has to be in control. A lot of people, whenever they book this kind of stuff, they book it so that they can be in control. They can take the master bedroom. They can do it. Then other people actually just get fucking hotel rooms, um, which is also something that's fairly popular for this to avoid all of this shit. 11 people, two bathrooms. You know, the science tells us it wasn't going to work out. Dude. Right. Now, let's get back to the fighting thing because you had a great line, right? If you ever do that to me again, you won't have hands. Um, no offense, but if you were that guy, you would have just started punching him. Right? I'm not saying you should have, but a lot of us have some badass lines that we've said that we likely can't ever execute. And I'm not talking about like actually cutting his hands off here, but you know, I mean, how many altercations have you seen, Kyle, where a dude's like, if you ever do that again or whatever, it's like, I don't know. I just punched you in the back of the head and you didn't fucking do anything. You're still talking. Yeah. So like, yeah, I agree. If, you, if, if you were him, if you were that guy, if you were that guy, <laughs> uh, this, this would have already escalated. So I'm not like calling you out necessarily. I just think like you saying, Hey, should I have fought him? You know, other well, people. He's not, would have, he's not some guy in line at the DMV where a total stranger just shoved him. Like he's like, uh, it's like he's married. He's kind of marrying into this group, right? I mean, eventually, that's what he's saying. So I could see why there's a little bit of restraint there, uh, and like you know, you don't have to prove how tough you are to some fucking shitty old guy than your and your <laughs> your extended in laws or something. I I can understand that, but yeah, I don't know. Like I wouldn't be as proud of that line as he is. I think I know. I know what you're saying there. Yeah, but now I feel like we're kind of dumping on the guy in the email. We're not really. We're just pointing out the specifics part of it. You know, like he actually for him to not fight is the right move because it yeah. ends up being. A huge, huge disaster. But I think what you know, like what's great about this, Rudy, is that he already has the permanent out. He has a forever out. He never has to deal with this group or this uncle in particular, right. the rest of the people around. Every, everyone in the family is going to like like you more for having restraint, right? You got, right. So go ahead. No, like you, you like punch the bully and shut him up. And so everyone's like, oh shit, like this guy, like he, he, you immediately command respect. And I think if you had fought him, like, to say the line that you said, yeah, it's not the best line in the world. It's a good line, like off, you know, just, you know, in a split second or whatever. It's not the best line I've ever heard, but it's better than like if you had just straight up fought that guy, even if you kicked his ass, like then it's a whole, then, then you're kind of the problem and it takes the attention away from him being the <laughs> asshole. So you 100% won this fight, this scenario, whatever. You're probably never going to have to buy a drink at a family function again. So you can go or not go. But all these people I'd imagine are like huge fans because there's a good chance, as you've kind of alluded to, nobody liked this guy anyway. He punched you after being a huge asshole and you stood up to him. And honestly, when you were at the restaurant later, too, it sounds like they all took your side because you were sitting on the inside of the restaurant with everybody. and He was sitting alone on the outside. So I, I think I don't think this could have gone better for you. I just think I think to not even lunge at him is huge. Like to, to not even like do one of those. It's because I mean, I think most people, you know, if you do get hit, the first thing you do is like, all right, I got to I got to figure out where that came from. And it's like it's like a second. Right. It's not like you're not like, wait, what just happened? He pretty much knew what happened. Right. I mean, so I think that the fact that he even like the split second, like the whole family didn't see him like nobody had to separate you guys apart. Like that's that's the part that's pretty that's pretty good there, buddy. I well, mean, it's also I badass. I, I can't say I, I would have been the same. It, I would say it's also badass to like take the punch and not act like it even phased you. Like that's also kind of kind of awesome. You know, like that's that's way more cool and way tougher than hitting somebody back than being like, oh, this guy just hit me. Even if you did hurt you and it, like you hiding the fact that it even, you know, caused you any actual physical pain is pretty awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, it's actually pretty funny, too. Like, you just met this guy. It's full family, like, just a marathon of family dynamic around you. And you're telling this guy, fuck off, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> I wouldn't Will pull you that fuck move, off but... already at 1030 at night on his. Yeah, yeah me yeah. neither. I was just thinking, I mean, you said the Uber was two minutes away. You could have just ignored him for two more minutes, right? And then yeah. walked out of the crib. I don't know. But, I don't know that you can. I mean, sometimes you just can't. It's just it's building up from the moment you step foot in the Airbnb and you're like, all right, I'm snapping on this. Ugh, I mean, it sounds like every out. minute of it was was brutal. So I have no issue with him saying it at some point. You're right to have not fought. Um, maybe I got a little off topic there by <laughs> by digging into it a little bit more there. All of us pretend we know exactly how we'd handle it, when it would happen to us. And I would like this is one of the other things that I just think that everybody's good at telling everybody how they would have handled the situation that they weren't in when it's like, Oh, I can't believe you didn't do that. I can't believe you didn't do this. You're like, yeah, but you don't know. Like, and in that moment, you're probably so shocked that you you don't even you're not even like thinking about fighting. You're like, I can't believe my girlfriend's uncle just punched me in the back of the head when I wasn't looking. Like, that's an insane thing to have happen to you, right? So, I mean, what in summation? Good job by you. Your girlfriend's hot. You're not fat, and don't sue that guy. Yeah, done. All right. <laughs> Okay, we got another one here. This one's very sensitive, so let's get to it. 31 years old, 6 feet, 210. Dropped 10 this year and hoping for 10 more before a wedding in May. Guy wants to get down to uh, 200 pounds, it sounds like. Basketball comp, Clay-Steph combo as an out-of-shape white guy. No, you're not. God damn it. Especially after we saw it last night. Just because you shoot, you don't get to be one of those guys. You know? Pick fucking Del Curry. Terrence Ross. Yeah, Kyle Korver. Right. What's up, fellas? Love the show. Was live. Yeah, Kyle Korver. You know? Like a Sam Hauser. Steph Curry. Come on. Um, recently got out of a 10-month relationship and started to get my toes wet in the dating pool again. Oh, he said he was at the upstairs bar and met Kyle in Denver. Kyle, do you remember this guy? Oh, is that the upstairs <laughs> bar or the or the little hidey hole where you could smoke cigarettes upstairs? <laughs> he didn't say know. that part. Yeah, probably not. That was That was a bar too, but it wasn't operable. So it was probably a different guy. You were firing darts inside the facility? It was like an indoor-outdoor situation. You know what? Don't okay. worry about it. I talked to the manager. He was cool about it. No, I, I'm i sure you, you would have had it checked out ahead of time. I mean... Yeah, I definitely you, did. Bands play there. Those guys still smoke darts. Yeah, I was like, where do those guys go? And he was like, oh, right here. Like, yeah, okay. I'm not against it. I'm just right. I'm just trying to figure it out here. We don't want to get okay. a permit pulled. All Maybe right. I should stop talking. All right. Recently got out of a 10-month relationship and started to get... Kyle and I are just so off right now. We're so unaligned. We need to go to a... <laughs> therapy chiropractor uh yeah, we'd have to be right, in the so, same place for that all right uh recently got out of a 10-month relationship and started to get my toes wet in the dating pool again a friend of mine has a cute sister-in-law who i met about a year ago who comes to town a couple times a year but since one or both of us has been in a relationship nothing had ever gone further than some innocent flirting until this weekend i was hanging out with him last weekend uh, up in Boulder to catch the buffs in action and he let me know that she was coming into town this week for 10 days and i should hit her up let me just back up. It's a cute sister-in-law, so it's not your buddy's sister. Very, very important distinction here. Um, and with these details, everybody's going to be able to figure this out, but we're moving on. All right, so uh, I hit her up with a DM and set something up for, uh, I guess, this, I don't know, when we get this email. So this month, downtown Denver near Sloan's Lake. 
Uh, we meet up. The date's going great. She's a little nervous at first, but after a cocktail and a beer, she starts to loosen up. We're having a great time. The conversation's flowing and everything's going right. I get a text from my uncle around five o'clock saying he has two tickets for the Az game that night. I ask if she wants to go. She is in. After a couple more beers and some green tea shots, we make our way over to the arena. Things keep going well. We grab a couple beers. Conversation picks up, discussing some great stories about her lives, talking about past relationships. She did get lost coming back from the bathroom one time, but other than that, Hey, that happens, man. It happens all the time. I lost somebody for like 30 minutes once. Uh, beers were involved. I would say this is not one of the, I would say this is one of the best first dates I've ever been on. The game was great, but the Az did up losing in overtime. She clapped for the other team when they scored, thinking that we had won. Should have known then that that was a bad sign. I don't know. I think no. that's cute. I'm not yeah. worried about it. Unless that like doesn't fucking, throw me off. You know, real third liner over here grinding away. Uh, we make our way back. That's a lot of booze, by the way, also. That's a lot of drinks. You know, for a girl, woman, um, that's a lot if I'm adding all these up here. Okay, so we make it out to his truck. Guy drives a truck. Points for him. I make a move as I go to open the door for her, and it's on. Things are moving right on the sidewalk before we even get in the truck. A couple people walk by. We make our way into the truck. The bench front seat comes in handy as I lift it up a uh, center console, and I uh, get in, things keep heating up, but things start to go south from there. She is a terrible kisser. She opens her mouth way too wide. Mm. There's too much tongue. Uh, I feel like hers is deeper. This is getting heavy here than my own. Uh, she's way too aggressive with her hands. There are marks on my back and the back of my neck from how hard she was grabbing, squeezing and digging into me. I'm grabbing her hand so she doesn't break the skin next time that she touched me. The last time a girl was this bad at kissing was freshman year of college when I made out and had no idea that uh, what she was doing. I was just trying to figure out a way to escape to her dorm room. Wait, that was back in college because I yeah. was like, this story's mm. getting weird. Never mind. The only thing I'm thinking about is how to get her home without bleeding. I was able to get her back to her friend's place and with a few shorter kisses and a hug, I got her to the door. She kept asking about hanging out later that week. I agree, but say I have to uh, do some family. I have some family coming into town for the weekend to give me an out until she leaves on that Saturday. There's very little chance I will make it out with her on Friday. The date was great until we started kissing, and that is a deal breaker. Our guy doesn't like bad kissers. Kyle, I bet you're a good kisser, right? I'm one of the best. I'm one of the best I know. Whoa. That's for sure. Um, no doubt, bro. I got no large doubt. lips, too. That's another thing. I've been telling her. Large, large lips. Kyle, a selfless lover. That's out in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so the question our guy has here, after a very, very inclusive description of how the makeout session went, how do I go about telling her that she is a terrible kisser? If this were a normal situation, I would just tell her I'm not interested to move on. With her living in another part of the country, I'm going to leave out the city, which he puts in here, uh, and, le and then she's leaving at the end of the week. I could just avoid her for the week until she leaves her home and not worry about it. But she's a sister-in-law to one of my really good buddies, and it will resurface again at some point. Also, with being so close to one of my boys, I feel like I should tell him so he can figure out a way to let her know. I know there's someone out there for everyone, but this is a little chance that anyone can find a guy that's going to enjoy being treated like a gazelle that a lion just took down in the Sahara. <laughs> Funny. Should I talk to her face-to-face -face and let her know how it felt for me? Yeah, how no. many fucking bad ideas are you going to write yeah, in, a, Jesus, in an email? Man. No, man. All right, I'll just finish the email. This answer is very easy. Uh, 
I know that sounds like a terrible conversation, A. Uh, B, I am awful at having any sort of tough conversation. Should I tell my boy that his sister-in-law is a terrible no. kisser so he and his wife, her sister, can talk to her about it? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. I want to be a fly on the wall on that guy. Should I send her a VHS on? Right, right. First, first of all, none of these should be thought of as options. <laughs> Tough situation to put him in, but I feel like her sister would understand how to talk to her about it a lot better than I could, you think? Or that she would want to. Or do I just make it through the week, bail on seeing her again, and let her keep moving through life like this? Yes, that's on her. And guess what? Somebody else is actually going to like that. Somebody's going to like it. Somebody's like, man, she's so passionate. Right. The idea that you're going to tell your boy, hey, dude, you need to tell your wife that her sister's <laughs> a fucking awful kisser. And if I'm not going to do it, she needs to do it or she's not going to. Maybe you do. I also don't think you say to somebody, hey, you know, whenever we talk about like how we want to be talked to, we don't want to be talked to that way. Nobody wants to go, hey, guess what, dude? Like you're letting yourself go. Let yourself go a little bit. <laughs> You know, half the emails are like, hey, my wife or, you know, whatever. I want them to start working out a little bit more. How do I handle it? Like, if we all had a really simple answer to this, we wouldn't send any of these emails. And it's not just this show. It's anybody that's ever done any of this stuff. How do I talk to the other person this way? The best part is you don't have to ever talk to this person again. Okay. The simple and based on the timeline of the email here, it's all taken care of. Like either like one of these things has happened. Hopefully none of the things that you suggested. It's pretty easy when someone who doesn't live in the town. And again, it's not the sister. It's a sister-in-law of a buddy where it's like, hey, it didn't work out. And no offense to your ego. There have been other times where it hasn't worked out for other people too. And guess what? We kept this fucking big old rock spinning. So I don't think you need to do any of those things. Hopefully you didn't say anything to her face to face. And yeah, I think at some point someone would probably like it. So if you're like sitting there going, man, she's a terrible kisser. I need to get her on the right path. If she ever wants to have a family, she's probably going to find her for her person. Okay. She's finally going to have her person. Um, I mean, I know one person, I'm not going to get super weird about it, but I was like, holy shit. What the fuck is that in the back of my head? It's got two kids now, you know, good for her. I was like, this is, this is the worst. Did I say, hey, we need to have a talk? Did I say to her friend that set us up, go, hey, we need to really powwow about something here. I just let things take its natural course, like a stream through rock. And it reached its destination. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if this guy really cares about her fixing this, you could just do a little ad hoc professor love sort of deal and just get back in there one more time and go like, maybe you could be, maybe you could teach her something. Otherwise, don't ever, don't worry about it and don't talk to her. But, you know, if you've got a week and you're still like, uh, you, you can get maybe get back in there and just uh, maybe guide the hands or something or like, you know, maybe, you know, grab the face and, and do, you know, sh just guide the just, hands with some training wheels. Yeah. I mean, I've been in a situation where I've been like, I mean, I've just said like, ow, ow, stop. Like I've, I've, that's, I've been there before. Um, and you know, maybe that works, maybe it doesn't, but I'm saying it, like, you shouldn't care this much, I guess, because she's close to your buddy or whatever. Uh, if you do care, you, I, the only way that you can have a positive impact on this is if you, if you sort of try to get in there and, and show her some moves. Otherwise you just got to not worry about this. Don't say anything to anybody else. Right, because he says, I think I, I, I think I just got so frustrated with the email. He was like, the third option seems like the worst to me. Yeah, all right, so that was the talking to her face-to-face. -face. Yeah, I'll be a huge dick for saying she's a terrible kisser, but at least I can tell her and she might be able to figure it out. I don't know where or who you turn to in order to work on that, but at least she'll, she'll know and she can figure it out. This guy's big on kissing technique. Maybe you're a bad kisser. 
Maybe you're too. Maybe this guy's too technical. Yeah, maybe he's a prude. Maybe he has there no passion. <laughs> yeah, uh, virgin. virgin. Ah, there you go. Nice. My only thing would be, are we sure? Like, maybe should you tr- should you try? It sounds like it's over, and that's fine if you want it to be over. Don't say anything to her. Uh, don't sounds say like to your buddy. But it's, it could be over right like, now. You guys seem like you drank a lot. Like maybe I don't know. Maybe she was just like nervous. You know, she had a couple too many she drinks. Got the beer I don't know. Muscles? She was just like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Hair. I'm just saying. Like, and maybe that, like, maybe try it when you're more sober. I don't know. Like, maybe it could be better. It sounds like you're done. I'm just saying. You did mention there were a lot of drinking. She clapped for the wrong team. Maybe she's not a sports fan. Maybe she's got her colors mixed up. Who knows? But. I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those like one-off bad experiences. And if, it, and if it's not, and if you're done, then like it's no like just just let it go. Like it's not. There's no need for you to correct other people's errors all the time. That's the worst kind of person who's like, hey, let me point out what you're doing wrong, buddy. And you know, no one ever like, accepts that advice, especially if it's like someone you you just went on your first date with. No one accepts that advice. I'm like, you know what? Thank you for telling me that. I really appreciate that. I will take that to the next Imagine. guy and not manhandle <laughs> them when we're making out. Hey, look. Becky, uh, you know, <laughs> you and I, it's not going to happen, but I want to just let you know for the next dude that's out there, you got to like improve your game. You're just not a very good kisser. It was a total turn off. <laughs> I liked everything else about you. It's one of the best nights I've ever had, but you're such a bad kisser. I never want to spend any time with you ever again. And I just want to give you that kind of heads up. So you, when you get back out there into the forest, you know, you'll be able to, to be better prepared. And she's going to go, that is so nice of you. That's so <laughs> nice. So, um, you shouldn't even live in your town. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry yeah. about it too much. I don't know. The guy seemed to like us too. So I don't know if he's going to read that email after the Equinox guy, like sent the follow-up being like, fuck you guys. I was like, all right, well, just want to get, like, you got to call the herd, yeah. right? Isn't that what they well, said? Yeah, what, we didn't get into the six arguments at the same Equinox in one day. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> this is, this isn't that. Hopefully it doesn't go to that level. That is life advice. Thanks to Kyle and Steve. It's the Ryan Russell podcast. We're on your Spotify. 